Podcast Answer Man, episode number 374. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Van Orden from Internet Business Mastery. You are listening to the man who has trained more people how to podcast than anyone else in the world, Cliff Ravenscraft. He is the Podcast Answer Man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to taking your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right, my friends. It does not matter if you are brand new to this online content creating world we live in, or if you've been creating online content for many years, there's something we can all do to take everything we do in life to the next level. Oh yeah, taking things to the next level is what it is all about for me in my daily pursuit of becoming all that I have been created to be, and I hope that you do the same. And today's episode, I have a lot of content to cover, and it's all over the place. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time telling you what it's all about. I just invite you to join me on the journey of this episode, wherever it leads. And the first thing that I want to talk about is a... A video promo that one of my listeners, somebody from our community, had created for me. Now, his name is uh, Jared Elrod is his name. And Jared happens to be the same Jared that called in and asked the question about how do I balance my faith and my business that I talked about in episode 371. If you're relatively new to Podcast Answer Man and you have an interest in hearing about how I I might balance my faith life and my business life, head over to podcastanswerman.com slash 371 and you'll be able to hear my response to that question. But anyway, Jared uh, finally got in touch with me. He said, thank you for answering that question. And by the way, I created this special video for you. I had no idea that he was working on this. I had no idea that he even did this kind of work, but I was blown away, especially by its production value. What he did is he created a one-minute YouTube video commercial for Podcast Answer Man. And, you know, normally you would think on a creative project like this, you you would kind of go back and forth on a script and, and all kinds of stuff. But man, this thing was amazing right out of the gate. And the only thing that I changed was at the end, he used some graphics off my website for some of my logos and things like that. And I simply went in and updated it with high-res versions of those logos that look better in HD quality. But as far as the creative... Um, scripting and the you know the videography of this the the or I guess that was the cinematography the the way that you do the transitions and and stuff like that it's just this is a beautiful looking commercial now I realize that this is an audio podcast and so you're not going to be able to benefit from seeing this although I encourage you to do so uh, to to go to my YouTube channel by the way my YouTube channel is YouTube.com/slash Cliff E-O-T-C. Uh, it st- seems kind of strange that it might be something weird like that. Of course, I do have a different one for Podcast Answer Man, but I, I decided to put everything under one umbrella. But anyway, it's youtube.com slash Cliff E-O-T-C, which actually does stand for Cliff Encouraging Others Through Christ. 
But uh, anyway, if you want to see this video, I also put it into. I will also put it into the show notes for this episode of Podcast Answer Man at podcastanswerman.com/slash-three-seven-four. So you just go to that, and it'll pull up the the video. Will be embedded in there as well. Anyway, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play this commercial for you. Now, just so you know, this is meant to be a humor piece, especially the end where, you know, it starts, you know, the commercial, you know, you know, this is, who is this? It, you'll get it. I am sure you will. But uh, anyway, let me go ahead and play the audio for you guys. And then I want to talk to you about something that, you know, I wonder what this will do as far as people's assumption about who I am and what I do and uh, I'll go into greater detail in just a moment. But here it is, one minute audio commercial uh, from this video. What's going on in here? I'm trying to start a podcast. Looks like you're being eaten by a podcast. Ha ha, very funny. Where did you get this stuff? Actually, a yard sale. Some ex rock star dude needed cash and sold me all of his sweet gear. I hate to break it to you, but I think he sold you all his old junk. Man, I don't know anything about this audio stuff. Obviously. Why is this so hard? Like, I just want to start an awesome podcast. Well, then you need to call Cliff Ravenscraft. Who? He's the Podcast Answer Man. He can help you get set up with everything you need to start your podcast. He helps with everything from coaching to picking out the right gear for your podcast. You can even buy your gear right from him. Want to start a podcast? Check out the Podcast Answer Man at Podcast Answer Man. Podcast Okay, so there you go. That is the commercial. And of course, if you actually watch it, this guy uh, is on the ground in his office. You heard the, the loud banging noises. The guy opens up the door to this guy sitting on the floor of his office, and he is just covered with wires. It, and it does. It looks like he was attacked by something. And, and of course, the guy expresses like, man, why is this so hard? You know, it shouldn't be this hard to create a podcast. And, and, and so it's like, man, you need to talk to Cliff Ravenscraft. Again, I had nothing to do with the script or anything like that. I think it's brilliant. But one of the things that I noticed is I took it and I uploaded it to my YouTube channel. And within the first, let's say, 171, 174 views on YouTube, uh, there were at the time there were zero thumbs ups, which you know who you know I I don't even spend a lot of time doing liking videos or thumbs upping and thumbs downing videos, but what I noticed is there were zero thumbs ups out of, out of the first 170 or so views, but there were two thumbs downs, and I'm like really I mean seriously you're gonna you're gonna go out of your way to do a thumbs down now of course I did actually share this on social media I shared it out on. I mean, it's not it's not somebody who is my quote unquote YouTube subscriber that did this uh, or the, the two people that did this. But it, it had to have been somebody on social media who saw that I did share this out. I shared it on on LinkedIn. I shared it on Google Plus. I shared it on Facebook and um, on Twitter. So I, I shared it on all four of the main networks that I do publish to. And I realized that some of the folks out there who who know who I am and what I do, they have a misconception. Actually, you know what? In all fairness, there are probably some people who know exactly who I am, what I stand for, the way that I do what I do, and they still hate me anyway. That's okay. That doesn't bother me. I get that. That the, Those people, it's not a big deal. There is, however, a group of people out there who know who I am and see some of the things that I do 
and they make broad assumption about who I am and what I'm all about. And what happens is I, I wonder if this video won't necessarily, I'm wondering if this video will actually play into their false assumptions. So for example, there are some folks out there that I know are, who are very vocal about how they feel about who I, about my business and what I do. For example, they, they are the type of people who will say, I, I cannot believe that anybody would go and pay somebody to learn how to podcast. I can't believe somebody like, well, they don't say my name specifically, although I'm sure some of them have, but they say, I can't believe that people would charge money, top dollar consulting kind of money to teach somebody how to podcast. I mean, it, it, it's, it, guys, it, and matter of fact, they say these things. Guys, it's not that hard. All you need is a microphone. You, know, uh, you can use your built-in microphone, free software, and there's a whole host of number of services out there like Podbean and, and, and well, there's all kinds of other services out there. And literally within an hour to two hours, you could have a, a podcast up and running. It won't cost you a penny. Or maybe you go out and spend 30 or 60 bucks on a microphone, plug it in via USB and record and upload to one of those free things that, I mean, it, you know, creating an RSS feed is not complicated. You just do it and boom, it, it's online. And the reality is, is that is absolutely true. It, it can be that easy to create a podcast. I don't necessarily agree with those methods for certain people though. I certainly wouldn't want to use one of those free services myself. Um, and you know, there are certain things that I wouldn't want to do today with the content that I'm creating. Now, with that being said, let me just share this. I started out in podcasting when back in 2005, December 2005. And when I started, pretty much all podcasts sounded horrible. I mean, that's a fair assessment. I mean, there were not many podcasts. Maybe, you know, I think Adam Curry was really, you know, gearing up and had invested some money. And, and I know that Leo Laporte at the time, professional radio broadcaster for many years, he was even struggling to get his audio equipment just right. His early episodes of the content he was creating, excuse me, he that he was creating was not perfect. I mean, on a scale of one to 10, I'd say the first 20, 15 to 20 episodes of anything Leo Laporte did was on a scale of one to 10, I would rate it about a six. You know, so in my content, by the way, when I first started was right around a three. (laughs) It wasn't a whole lot. It wasn't that great. But the reality is, is that in 2005, I could actually go out and do what I did, which was, by the way, I spent $35, I think, on a on a headset that had headphones and it had the little boom microphone off to the side and it wasn't even actually I, mine wasn't even USB it was actually two one eighth inch plugs one went in the headphone jack one went into the microphone jack jack on my HP laptop I installed Audacity I knew nothing about any of this stuff and I hit record and my audio levels were all over the place static clicking noise I was um, saving it as a very low bitrate MP3 file. I didn't even know what a bitrate was. I didn't know what a sample rate was. I didn't know anything about any of those things. And all I know is that my first episodes sounded horrible. Yet, I was able to gain a very large and loyal audience over a very short period of time, relatively speaking. I mean, it, it was it was pretty amazing. And the reality is, is that Back then, there was not a lot of great sounding audio, so mine didn't sound horrible compared to theirs. Today, things are different. Today, things are a lot different. You go into iTunes, and there are in the top cat in the top ranked podcasts in all the categories. 
usually in the top 100. I would say that in the top 100 highest ranked podcast in any category in iTunes, out of the top 100, I would say at least 85 or 90 of them is going to are going to have excellent audio quality and great production value. 85 out of 100. So if you're trying to come in in your niche, in your specific field, and you want to create a podcast with a $35 microphone, it, it's not going to instantly rise to the top. Can you do it? Yes. If your content is amazing, absolutely. You know, do, do you have to have everything? Is there a formula that just guarantees success? No, there's not. But there are certain things that you can do to really help you stand out in in the much larger haystack of podcasting uh, that it exists today compared to what it was in 2005, 2006. So here's the deal. Did I start with a $35 microphone? Did I start with free software? And did I start by teaching myself how to do my own RSS feed and, and using all these free services and getting up and running without paying anybody to teach me how to do it? Yes. All right. However, did I learn the hard way beating my head against the wall, losing audio episode recordings and having and ordering equipment to take my production to the next level, thinking, man, my MXL 990 microphones, what everybody was telling me was the bomb. They were like, this is amazing. So I bought two of those microphones. Absolute pieces of junk. You know, those, those Mar- I think, were they Marshall? Anyway, they're MXL 990 microphones. And by the way, if you have one, I'm, I don't mean to say that your microphone is a piece of junk. I just, whatever you do, don't knock it against anything because it will break. Um, but anyway, it, and, and you can do things. I mean, gosh, it sounded a whole lot better than my $35 microphone, but would I ever recommend, would I ever buy one again in my life? No. Absolutely not. So, you know, I made a lot of mistakes over the years and things that, man, there was no podcast consultants out there that were doing this full time and and had already spent, you know, thousands of hours devoted to creating content and building a community online around their shows and and all of that stuff. There, there did, that didn't exist at the time. There Were there some consultants right away out of the gate? Yes. Were there ones that had a track record of years of building an online business and and all this stuff? No, there wasn't that. So, you know, I, I, if I didn't need it, why should you is what some people might think. And, you know, that's, that's fine. Absolutely. And, and by the way, here's the deal. I still think it's possible for about 80 to 90% of people who want to create a podcast, I think going the super cheap, inexpensive, almost paying nothing route will work just fine for you. If it's just as a hobby, if you're just playing around, if you're just dipping your toes in the water to see if you like the swimming pool that we swim in here as a, as a podcast con- uh, content creator, absolutely. Go out and use your whatever you can do to record your audio and use free software and stuff like that. In fact, there's a lot of those people who have gone through my Learn How to Podcast tutorial. And that see, the thing is, I created LearnHowToPodcast.com spent about 50 hours worth of my life putting that thing together and I made it available for free. I don't even require your email address because I figure if you're going the super free route um, and you want to try to keep everything as cheap as possible, there's a ch- there's a good chance you're not going to want, want to buy my products and services that I charge for down the road. So why should I put you on a mailing list when you're probably not going to be interested in the kinds of things that I sell? 
And some people might say, well, gosh, Cliff, you get them on your email list and you provide them all kinds of extra, extra content, free, valuable content that you deliver to their email. It's like, well, I do that every week in my podcast. I do that every time I put out some YouTube videos and I do that through social media. I, I, I'm, why should I only give that to people who've given me my email address? You know, you know, it's like, I understand the sales funnel, whatever. So here's the deal. Um, so I, I created this, this free uh, webinar or free tutorial, learnhowtopodcast.com. The first video, by the way, as of today, has been viewed almost 72,000 times. Now, that's the first video. But if you get into the, you know, there are eight videos in that tutorial series. And if you get down through there, you know, it's got about eight or nine or 10,000 people who made it through all of them. And here's the situation. I've had thousands, and by the way, this is not an exaggeration, but I've had thousands of people tell me, hey, Cliff, I just want you to know I went through your tutorial and I had my podcast up and running within just a couple hours. Unbelievable. I couldn't have done it without you. And all of this, and I never had to pay you a single penny either for your consulting or any of your products or services. Man, thank you so much. And some people have said, well, how do you feel about that? Don't you feel like you've missed an opportunity? I'm like, not at all. I am, I'm thrilled that I've helped thousands of people launch a podcast through that tutorial that's never had to send me a single penny and who have who has never who will never their email address address will never be entered into my mailing list it doesn't bother me at all the reason why well here's the deal uh, i know that those people are going to go create podcasts right and they're going to go build audiences and a percentage of their audience, small percentage of their audience, whatever the topic is, I recognize and realize that some of those people that listen to them are going to say, wow, I want to create a podcast. How do you do this? And they're going to say, I found out from Cliff and he's got this free tutorial at learnhowtopodcast.com, which is why there's so many views of this particular tutorial. That's exactly what's happening. So I'm literally sending thousands of sales representatives out into the world selling what? My free tutorial. Absolutely, they're selling my free tutorial that doesn't cost a penny, doesn't even cost you your email address. But then why do I do this? Well, first of all, I really do it first and foremost for the goodwill. I mean, I, just to get exposure to who I am and what I'm all about. And for me, it's never been all about the money. The other thing that, that is exciting about this is that there are always going to be a small percentage, a very small percentage of the people who go through all the tutorials and say one of two things. I could do this on my own, but boy, I would love to have access to Cliff, you know, to, to help me walk through this. Or, man, I have I go through this and I sort of understand what's going on here, but I have lots of questions and I know there's no way I could do this on my own. They, they're like the guy who's sitting on the floor in the video that Jared had created. And it's like, why is this so hard? I can't figure this out. There are people who are like that. And, and so there's a whole realm of a mixture of people who sign up for, let's say, my podcasting A to Z course, which, by the way, is not inexpensive. But these are folks that are doing it. I'm not here. Here's the thing. Some people think that I might be, quote unquote, um, deceiving people that you have to invest this much money to have a quality podcast. And I'm not trying to do that. I've never tried to convince anyone, please pay me and sign up for my A to Z course. Although you might be thinking, well, what do you mean you've never tried? Of course you try to convince people. 
No, I I believe what I've done is I've shared, hey, this is what I have to offer in my podcasting A to Z course. I think it's extremely valuable. If you're looking for what I'm offering here, I do want to let you know that the next one signs up. And if you want to register, here's how you can register. Occasionally, I'll put out a, a discount code. Uh, and stuff like that, and do I market the ability for people to sign up? Yeah, but do I try to convince them? No. In fact, a lot of people say, "Hey, Cliff, I've you know I'm I'm thinking about taking your A to Z course and stuff like this, and I have this, 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 and this. Do you think that I would still benefit from your course?" And what I do is I say, "Well, here's what's a part of my course, and I'll let you decide for yourself based upon all these things that I've shared. Do you think you'll benefit from this course? If so, here's how you sign up." I, I I am a no pressure salesperson, and I'm and there are certainly ways that people can go out there. You can actually start a podcast that sounds almost as good as mine, as far as production quality, for three hundred dollars. You could go out and get an uh, an ATR twenty one hundred Audio Technica ATR twenty one hundred uh, microphone that has both USB and XLR. You can plug that in via XLR, which, by the way, that cable comes with that microphone, and plug it into, let's just say, you could plug it into a $60 Behringer mixer. That will work just fine. All right? Would I use it today? No. But can I? Could I get by and create a show that sounds almost as good as this show today? Yeah, I could. Would I? Eh, probably not. But... You can. So you put the ATR2100 into a $60 Behringer 802 mixer. You you could get you could send the audio from that right into your computer software. Would I do that? No. But can you? Yes. And is it possible that you'll get audio that is just as good as mine? Yeah, as long as you're not going to get all that hissing and popping and your audio levels are just right. Yeah, it's possible. Now, could you spend a maybe Another $100 and get a, a digital audio recorder? Absolutely. You could do that and send it in there. You could do the mix minus with two cables that cost you 12 bucks, And all of this stuff. And by the way, all of this information is out there anywhere on the internet. In fact, out of 374 hours of podcast answer, man, I've shared it over and over and over again. It, it's, it's available. It's for free. A lot of that stuff is all talked about in my podcast and learnhowtopodcast.com. So it's all there. So you can do all of these things. So I, I here's the thing. I, I I wonder why people have such a hard time with people who charge money for things. It you know it. I have determined what I want to spend my time doing. I've decided that I don't want to have a day job selling insurance, doing a career that I used to love, but once I found out what I'm doing now is what really drives me and gives me great satisfaction and joy in life and I feel a sense of purpose and fulfillment in helping people in the way that I do at the level at which I serve them that I'm able to devote I don't want to have a day job that I grew to hate and despise so that I could pay the bills while I work a couple hours a night trying to help people as much as I can and so I would not be able to do what I do today if I had a day job like the old way of having my day job so when I turned myself and or turned my my this into a business and stuff like that, I determined, hey, I'm going to serve people in a way that I feel led to serve lead, yeah, that I feel led to serve them. And so anyway, th- that's what I decided I wanted to do, and that's who I am. That's what I I offer things. And by the way, most of the things that I offer are not the most inexpensive way to th- do it. I I'm looking to work with people who look to invest in what they're doing and to do it well. 
And when they invest, I not only give them what they're looking to get, but I hope to, within a very brief period of time, like almost immediately afterwards, I hope that they actually realize that, wow, Cliff did not promise that I was going to get all of this, but man, am I blown away. That That's how I do things. So anyway, I don't know why I went into all that detail except to say that, you know, this video, I, I'm I'm thrilled with it. I love it. And by the way, it does sum up a lot of the way that my students feel. It's like, why is this so hard? And for them, it is hard. And you know what? Doing podcasting the way that I think gives you the greatest chances of success is not easy. Are there easier ways to do podcasting than what I teach in my course? Absolutely. But I don't teach the easy ways. What I do is I teach the ways that I do podcasting. That is, and the way that I do podcasting today is based upon eight years of experience doing podcasting. It's it's based upon the the way of um, it's it's based on creating thirty different podcasts of my own. It's based on over three thousand two hundred and sixty episodes that I've personally created for myself. And it's based on working with thousands of other people and based on, you know, the the over, actually now the 408 people who have been in my online training course known as Podcasting A to Z. So I teach what's worked for me and has worked for all of those people. That's what I teach. And I don't teach, and, and by the way, I've tried to teach the easier way to all those other people. And always when you do the easy stuff, if it if it, if this is stuff you're serious about, it can you can make some big wrong decisions, and and there are some still. Th- and by the way, I'm not perfect. Some people say, well, gosh, Cliff, you know, still suggests you do this, this, and this, and you know what? They've been saying that since 2006, and I still do things the way that I do today because they still work for 100% of the people I've worked with. And if the day ever comes when it stops working for me and all of those people. I know for a fact that I'm not going to leave anybody hanging. I'm not going to leave myself and my audience hanging. I'm going to create a solution to work around it. And by the way, I've been thinking about a solution to replace the way that I have my RSS feed up now for years. And I have possible solutions already in place. I don't think that I'm going to need it anytime soon. But if it does, I know what I'll do. And I will create free resources to give all of those people, I'm not. It's not something that I'm ever going to charge again. So anyway, you know, I know where my heart is, but man, I I just thought about this video and I love it. And and all of a sudden, two thumbs down instantly. It's like wow, you know. And 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 of course, the thing is, is I do want people to know. I I, I love the video. I love the message. And yes, I there is an easier way than being overwhelmed with all that stuff. There is a place you can go to get all of your questions answered for four weeks, regardless of what they are. And I am that source, but I will say this, I'm not the only source. There are other sources out there. There are sources that are free too. There are great online forums. There are, just go to Google Plus and do search for podcasting and look for communities, online communities, Google Plus communities for podcasting. They exist. There's a lot of people out there who'd be willing to help you and share and answer your questions. Look on Facebook. There are, there are, there, I'm I'm a member of five different Facebook groups uh, that are made up of hundreds of podcasters each. Some of them more than a thousand podcasters, and I'm a member of those. And those are places where people go and they often ask questions and they get answers as well. So I'm not the only source of getting your answers or your questions answered. But you know what? 
I am the only person who has my particular experience that I've just mentioned before. And and there's some other people who are rising up who have some really reputable experience as well. I mean, John Lee Dumas is doing some things. Uh, he and I have a slightly different philosophy and approach to to our launch methods and and some of the other things. But you know what? John Lee Dumas is doing some amazing amazing things. He was a part of my mastermind for a year. Uh, I shared with him, my, I, I helped work with him as he was developing his idea for Entrepreneur on Fire. He had some ideas about going daily. I had suggested, you know, eh, I don't think it's the greatest idea to do daily. Did it work for him? Absolutely. Do I still think he suffers from some of the drawbacks of doing daily? Yeah. I think that he overfeeds content to his audience. But you know what? He He's successful in doing the things that he wants to do. So, so the thing is, is there's no right one shoe fits all for everyone. And just because I happen to create a video that says, hey, or that somebody else, by the way, I think it's great. Somebody else created this video for me. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, yeah, 28 minutes of a monologue on, on my new video. That's ridiculous, but it is what it is. You know, but here's the deal. How does this apply to you? Let, let's 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 reel this thing in. Forget everything. Well, don't forget everything I said, because why would you have listened to it? But uh, here's the deal. Uh, the reality is, is that you have a business probably, or you have something that you're selling. And if you think, no, Cliff, I don't have a business. I don't sell anything. Well, you do sell us something. You you actually do things that um, you share with the world, and you 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 sell an idea. You sell. Um, a, a passion you sell, you want people to listen to your show. Well, you're selling people on the idea and the concept of listening to your show. So we're all selling something, and and you have to come to the place where, you know what, what you're doing and why you're doing it. You know your motives more than anybody else, and I suggest that you just know your reason why. And when all the naysayers out there say otherwise, then you kind of just say, yeah, they just don't get me. Or sometimes you just get into your podcast and do a 28-minute uh, monologue on on how you feel about the, the two negative thumb down on your video. But anyway, all of that to say this. Thank you, Jared, for creating that amazing one-minute audio or one-minute video commercial. And um, I, I know that Jared's planning on doing this in the future for some other folks. And... As soon as he has a little bit more information on that and how you can maybe contact him to create maybe a video promo of your for your business or your brand or your message or your podcast, perhaps um, you know I'll be able to connect you then. So there you go. All right. Next up is AT and T contracts. Now I have recently decided I want my new iPhone. I'm an early adopter. And I'm looking forward to, and I know many of you are wondering, what am I going to get? I'm going to get an, an iPhone 6 Plus, and I have decided I'm going to get the 128 gigabyte uh, phone. And when I decided to do that, I'm like, okay, let's see if I can get this thing pre-ordered. Well, when I went to pre-order the phone, I realized that um, my contract that I have currently for my iPhone 5 doesn't run out until October 5th. So I'm a couple weeks before the contract is up, and if I was to do the pre-order, I would have had to pay an early termination con- or early contract termination fee. So I called AT and T to see if they would waive that, and I'm like, "Come on, it's two or three weeks, right? So you can certainly let me get into a new contract." Well, AT and T told me that if I'm on the family plan, the family share plan, 
I think I pay $150 per month for 20 gigabytes of data for our family. And what you do is you pay um, $15 per line for each additional device you put on that plan. Now, we have five phones in our home, and that, so we have five phones on that plan. Well, I was told that the only reason they allowed us to be on the plan with our two-year contracts that we have now was due to the fact that I'd been with them for so long and I was already into well into a contract when I moved over to the family share plan. They're telling me that $15 per month per phone is not necessarily the price. Instead, the price is $40 per month. So they're telling me if that I actually do get the contracted rate for the phone of... Um, uh, what is it, $499 for the iPhone 6 Plus, 128 gig. If I, if I do a $499 with a two-year contract, then I lose the ability to have that phone be on my plan for $15 a month. Instead, it goes to $40 a month. But they'll waive, they'll, they'll, they'll change that if I go on their next plan, which is next plan is where you finance your phone over the course of 18 or 20 months or something like that. Super confusing stuff. And I'm thinking, wait a second, I thought the reason why you were going to subsidize the cost of this phone is because it guarantees that I'm going to stay with you and pay these fees to your company for two years. I'm agreeing that I won't go somewhere else or I'm agreeing that monthly you're going to always have this amount of money from me. And that's what the subsidies were all about. But now they're they're not doing it the same way. And I don't exactly understand what they're, you know, how they're subsidizing phones, but they're charging you more money. And so I'm thinking, I want to buy, you know, I'm going to go into AT&T once I'm out of contract and I'm going to, and once the phones are back in stock. But when they are, I'm actually going to go in and uh, decide, I want to buy the phone with, um, without the contract probably. So I, I think it's going to be like $947 or something like that for this phone off of contract. And I want it unlocked. And I also want to make sure that the phone that I get is, you know, it, it won't have a contract. And I have confirmed that if I buy an unlocked iPhone 6 Plus without a contract and I pay full price for it, I can keep my $15 a month. So that won't be a problem whatsoever. So I don't worry about that increased cost monthly. And if I'm not in a contract, that means that I could cancel and move my phone. And eventually, if I'm out, under, out of contract on all of our phones, I can move our whole family away from AT&T anytime I desire. Now, the only thing is, though, is that I realized that and what I've found out is that, you know, if I buy an AT&T phone and unlock it, I know that I can move from AT&T and I think I can go to T-Mobile. And by the way, these things are things that I think I can do. I think that if it's unlocked, I might be able to put it on Cricket, uh, which is another uh, provider. But I know for a fact, if I buy the AT&T phone, I will not be able to go to Verizon. So I've been talking and and one because AT&T and all these other carriers are on what they call GSM. But... Uh, Verizon is on CDMA. Now, if you get a, a if you get an iPhone uh, that is made for Verizon, they have the CDMA chip in it, but it, they also have the GSM, so that when those folks go overseas, they can uh, take the phone with them and use it, you know, internationally and stuff like that. So I've been told that you know, go to Verizon, get a Verizon phone, pay full out for it. Uh, without a contract, 
And then you can actually work it on Verizon. You could work it on any of the other GSM carriers. This is all still fuzzy. It's super complicated. And uh, and here's the deal. I'm, th I'm thinking, okay, I'm ready to make my purchase. I'm ready to go and stand on stand in line at you know six o'clock in the morning at Kenwood store and app at the Apple store over in Ohio, and I'm ready to buy this phone out of contract. But then I learn, and some people tell me that you cannot buy an unlocked iPhone except under T-Mobile. And the T-Mobile, I'm told, would be able to work with AT&T, but you're going to get a T-Mobile SIM card, and you'll have to, you know, switch that out. Which I, I maybe I could take my iPhone 5 SIM card and put it into my iPhone 6 Plus. I haven't confirmed that, but still, I'm stuck with, you know, I would never be able to go to Verizon if that were an option I wanted to look into. But so it's so confusing, and you know what, it's so confusing, and you get so busy, and all these things, and you research all of this stuff, and then you decide, I'm just, you know, the decisions are so crazy right now, I'm just going to not make any decision, I'm going to wait a couple weeks, and let it all kind of just, you know, uh, kind of just die down. I, I started this conversation on Facebook the other day, and it was crazy the amount of responses. And by the way, a lot of the information that I just shared with you, I had heard and gathered a little bits and pieces of it after listening to This Week in Tech and MacBreak Weekly on Leo Laporte's uh, Twit Network over the last several years. But it certainly all of it became firmer, sort of you know more understandable and and outlined information as a result of this discussion thread we had on Facebook this week on my personal profile page. And and so I've determined, I know enough now to know that I'm not ready to make a decision. And my iPhone 5 is okay, it, it, it it's fine, it's not, you know, it, I just recently got my brand new battery replacement that I told you about a couple weeks ago. And so um, here's the deal, I'm, what I've decided is that yes, I am going to get an iPhone 6 Plus, 128 gigabytes, as soon as I can, or as soon as I, you know, probably once all the initial rush dies down. And there's a good chance that I'm just going to pay for it outright and not have a contract. Where I'm going to go and what I'm going to get, I don't know. If you have strong feelings based upon all of these things, I invite you to share them with me. Please do not send them to me via email. Uh, but instead, if you have some thoughts on this particular topic of what I should do, given everything I just shared with you, go to podcastanswerman.com slash 374. Again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash 374 and put it in the comment section there on the show notes. Anyway, so with that being said, I will tell you I am very excited that yesterday Apple released iOS 8. So the newest version of the operating system and I installed it on my iPhone 5 and my iPad mini with Retina and I love it. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you some of my favorite features of iOS 8 and let me just go through my list here. First of all, Apple released a new keyboard for the iOS, the new default keyboard. It's kind of a predictive t uh, text or predictive keyboard where it kind of just guesses what the next word you want to actually say uh, in your message on your email or wherever you're typing. And so you type in maybe the first letter or first whatever and it is going to uh, give you some options that you can choose right after that. And and so, um, so I can actually say, I can type in 
um, TH and it'll say thank or it actually might even say thank you and then I can put comma and then it might actually suggest the word I and then if I choose I it says am or will and stuff like that. Which, by the way, if I seem like I've been a little bit distracted in this episode, um, for the last 25 minutes, there have been two contractors in my studio who were here to work on uh, my hot water heater in our home. They, there was a pipe that was, had a little tiny leak in it, and they came and fixed that today. Anyway, so and they just walked out the door. So I've been like really distracted. I'm talking to you, seeing them in my peripheral vision right behind me, and um, it, it's just, yeah, it's been crazy. But anyway... Moving on, so uh, yeah, iOS 8 is is cool. The keyboard is where I was at. So uh, I, I'm trying to think, you know, do I stick with this keyboard or do I kind of look at something else that they offer now with iOS? And that is you can actually do third-party keyboards. So you can go into the, uh, the app store and download different um, uh, key, you can, um, download different uh, keyboards. And one of the most popular ones that I've heard of is called uh, Swipe. And I think that's what, you know, Android users have had this for a very long time. And I've just seen people rave and rave and rave about this. And it's I think it's an either 99 cents or $1.99. I'll probably download it and play with it. But before I actually get in and play with Swipe, I want to give Apple's new predictive text a little bit of time to kind of feel, you know, get the feel for it before I decide whether or not, you know, I need a different keyboard. And by the way, my understanding is that as you start typing and choosing words, it actually starts to learn a little bit more of the kind of things you say over and over again. So for example, in uh, TweetBot, uh, I might actually, you know, I start with, you know, hit the reply button and I almost always start with thank you so-and-so or thank you at so-and-so. Um, and when I do that, uh, it, it's I think that iOS, this new predictive keyboard, will remember certain things per application. I, I can't confirm that one hundred percent, but I almost I'm almost positive that it is it you know the predictions are based upon what it's learned about how the how you're communicating with that particular app. So I'm I'm excited to see how that will work. Now. Here's one application that is a third-party keyboard that I am absolutely in love with, and it is really more than just a keyboard. It is an extension of a tool that has been so beneficial to me, so makes things so productive for me, and that is Text Expander. Now, Text Expander has had an iPhone application for a very long time. Uh, Text Expander, by the way, is a software that I've been using for years on my desktop Mac computer that allows me to type in a couple small keystrokes, that's a code if you will, and then it will actually paste anything that I want. So I can actually type in a full sentence, I could type in a, a whole paragraph, I could type you know, in an entire letter if you will, uh, and within a couple keystrokes, even three to four keystrokes, if I know what that code is, I can type it in, and then boom, it will it will expand all of that text to be whatever I want. So let me give you an example. If you were to send me an email that says, hey Cliff, I just found you as a result of a Google search. I've been listening to your podcast for the last couple of weeks, 
And if you don't mind, I have a couple quick questions for you. And you ask me three to four quick questions, and you think that they're quick questions, and that you know there's gotta be just some quick answer that I can give you. The reality is, is all the questions, all four or three or four of them, require that, man, if to, to adequately answer that, I would have to spend the next 25 to 35 minutes to answer that. And I get about 100 to 200 of these a day. So in response to that, I actually have a, like a six or seven paragraph response to people who ask me those kind of questions. And that, and I used to try to respond to each of them explaining why I can't address all of their questions via email. And so, and of course, it, it sends people to here, to Podcast Answer Man, to free tutorials and stuff like that. And I sometimes will just say, here are some links that might be helpful. And then I, I paste in this big, well-thought-out response and what I do is I type in Q-Q-U-I-C-K. So it's Q-Quick, all together, one word. And if I do that, just type in Q-Q-U-I-C-K, it instantly erases that little keystrokes, those keystrokes, and it replaces it with a you know five or six paragraph response as to why I'm not able to answer those questions via email and here are the valuable resources that you definitely should check out to get the answers to most of your questions. So that's what Text Expander is. Now they've always had an I or they've had for years an iOS application, but it would not integrate. So I couldn't be in my email app on my Apple phone and hit reply and type in QQ. Q-Q-U-I-C-K, but what I could do is I could go over to the application, and because I had it synced with Dropbox, which is keeping all of these shortcut codes and all the text that should be written if I use them, Dropbox keeps all that synced, and what I would have to do is I'd have to open up the iOS app for Text Expander, and I would have to, they would have this blank, you know, draft document, and you could type in QQUICK. It would expand it out in the application. I could select, hit, hold it down, select, hit select all, hit cut or copy, and then I could go over to my app and email, and I could paste it in. Huge pain in the butt. I've had this functionality, and what I, what do I do? I'm out and about. I, I see this, and I realize I know that I'm going to use this test expander, text expander snippet to answer this question. But I'm just going to wait until I get back to the office or wait till I get back to the hotel and I'll do it then. Because it was too much trouble to do that. At least at the at the frequency at which I do it. So this application now, it, by the way, it, it, they do charge an extra fee for this new version of Text Expander uh, w- that has this third key, you know, this extensibility or this this new functionality with iOS 8, which is fine with me. I, 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 I owe, trust me, the amount of value that I get out of Text Expander, I'll never complain about paying, was it $4.99 or whatever it is for a new version of this that allows me to make use of this in my everyday life in my new IS, in my iOS 8 applications. So basically, I, I downloaded Text Expander Touch 3.0 and I paid for it. And then what you have to do is you have to go into uh, your settings in your iPhone, click on general, click on keyboard, then you can add third-party um, things. Now, if you have go in and open up your Text Expander 3 application, then go in to there and add a keyboard under the general settings under keyboard, add a third-party keyboard, and then there's one other thing you need to do. You have to click on it, and you have to actually say, get, allow full access. 
Then you're going to get a warning, by the way, that says, listen, you're allowing full access to this third party. Everything you type is getting reported back to this application, which then could be there. And as a matter of fact, if you type in an app, if you type in a credit card number using this keyboard, that information, that data is getting sent to that application. They would know your credit card information and you have to approve that. By the way, you can approve that with no problem at all as long as you do this. So what happens is, um, to use a third-party keyboard, um, and those of us, by the way, who have been using emoji, we know how to do this, right? We, we've been using the emoji icons or the emoji keyboard to, to type in those little emoji characters. It's the same thing. You just click on the little icon, the little world icon or extra keyboard icon, and you'll see your emoji there. But then you'll see English text expander. And so you can switch it over. And by the way, the look and design and feel everything, you can just tell when you look at it, oh, I am using the text expander keyboard right now. And in so now I can actually look at an email, I can hit reply, and if I know that I wanna use a text expander snippet, I just hold down the little extra keyboard button, and then I choose text expander keyboard, and then I type in my little short, little QQUICK, or one of the hundreds of other shortcuts that I have, and and then boom, it fills it all out for me. And then if I want to make sure, if it, you know, if I'm browsing and I I pull up a thing and I'm ready to enter in a credit card information to on a secure site buying something, I look down and it's like, oh, I see that I'm using Text Expander. I don't want to enter my credit card into a, a third party application, so I am actually going to switch back to my main key, you know, my main Apple keyboard. So that's how I do that. But anyway, Text Expander now on the iPhone, one of my favorite things. And uh, looking forward to checking out some of the other keyboards. But before I do that, I'm going to really give the Apple keyboard a try. Let's see here. What else is my favorite things in iOS 8? Um, hey Siri is another thing. Now, of course, you can go into general settings, then go into Siri. And there's a little setting that you can turn on called Hey Siri. And if your iPhone is plugged into power... It will always, it's the, it has the microphone turned on at all times and it's listening for you. Now, for those of you on Android, you've had the ability to do um, OK Google uh, quite for quite some time. Now, for us on iOS, we can now say, hey Siri, she starts listening, she does their little beep, and then you can start speaking and she is uh, going to do whatever you ask. And I have my phone in front of me all the time. And so I have that turned on. Now, the thing is, is I have to decide, do I want this on my iPad or do I want it on my phone? Because I have both plugged into me in front of me all the time. And I haven't yet had a problem where I've actually said, Hey Siri, when they're both in the room in front of me yet, but I imagine that might happen one day. But for now, I'm just leaving it on my phone and it, it is pretty cool. I can, you know, I can say, Hey Siri. And, and without doing anything, I can say, set an alarm for 3:42 PM titled pick up kids or whatever. And, and then, of course, it's going to send an alarm that will go off and the alarm will actually be labeled, go pick up the kids or whatever I have to do. So anyway, I, I do like Hey Siri. That's that's a one. And then, of course, another app, uh, new favorite feature of iOS 8 is family sharing. Now, I have had uh, multiple iOS devices. We have 10 or 11 iOS devices in our home today. And then we have uh, about five or six other Mac computers, and of course, everything is using, um, you know, I, you know, the Apple IDs. There's the app stores on the Mac App Store. There's my, you know, the app store on the iOS, 
and music and everything. Everything, all of these years, has always been purchased under my Apple ID, my own personal Apple ID. And then there are, um, you know, everybody's Find My iPhone has been under my Apple ID. So for their iCloud, it's been signed in under my Apple ID. Now, at least the kids have their own Apple ID for some other things, such as Game Center and things like that. But, you know, all of these purchases and stuff like that, it gets put under my Apple ID. And, you know, it gets a little crazy when you're buying things and it messes up, you know, your your different I, I, you know, I'm not going to go into all that, but here's the deal. The family sharing allows you to now go in and set it up and say, listen, I want to add member, I'm the main ID in my household, and I want to add these members of my family. So you take their Apple IDs, and you add them to your family sharing pro- program, and it, what that does is it allows any application that you've purchased, they can also use, and any application they purchase you can also use, and it does the same thing for music, books, uh, iBooks, and and stuff like that. So, and also, the interesting thing is now I can actually take. Uh, once I set this up, I haven't done it yet, but once I set it up, I can take my Apple ID out of their iOS devices completely. They will not have access to my Apple ID at all anymore, and I can set them all up with their own Apple iCloud uh, under their own Apple ID. That will let, allow each of them individually to have their own Apple ID signed up and hooked up to uh, find my iPhone or find my iOS device is what they should call it. But anyway, then, or actually, I guess they should call it find my Apple product because it allows us to find our, our computers too if they're connected to the internet. Anyway, um, but it allows them to sign in to find my iPhone with their Apple IDs and I can, as they're connected to my account, I'll still be able to find them. So I'm glad that I'm actually going to get to the place where I'm no longer giving out my username or my Apple ID and my password to all of my family. It's not that I'm worried about my wife, but certainly, you know, do my kids need to have access to be charging things to my my account? The other things that I think you can do is you can set up certain uh, privileges where you can set in a certain allowance for a certain dollar amount for your family uh, to for each ID to how much they can buy and charge to your credit card that's on your main account. And the other thing, what's the other thing that I was thinking of? Oh, or they can actually, you can set it up, and I, I, I haven't confirmed this, but I remember seeing them talk about it, where you will be able to have them request uh, the ability to purchase an in-app purchase, and then it sends you a notification, and you on your phone or your device say yes or no. Anyway, I'm excited about iOS 8, and I'm glad it's finally here. Uh, there are other things like the, you know, the voice message via text message, you know, sending an, kind of like a walkie-talkie audio message to your uh, folks um, on iOS or iMessages. There's the instant ability to take a picture or video of yourself uh, so you can send video messages. All of that stuff, little stuff, it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, let's see here. Just a few more minutes till I hit an hour. Let me just share with you a couple other things. I'm gonna go in rapid fire succession here. Um, Canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. It is a free or freemium model graphic design uh, application, web app. I encourage you to check it out. Sign it up. Sign up for it for free. There's a lot of stuff you can actually do for free, especially if you bring a lot of your own background images with you and stuff like that. Maybe stuff you've purchased off of um, royalty-free images and things. Or for a dollar, you can buy premium uh, elements from them. Anyway, Canva.com. 
just go there, sign up for a free account. Once you're in, go to actually load up canva.com and you'll see that you can create uh, Facebook cover art. You can create Facebook or Twitter cover. You can create um, all kinds of different things that you want to do. And now they've added podcast or out or, or music CD album artwork. So 1,400 by 1,400 album artwork images, that is a template now for free on canva.com. Now, again, if you don't have your own image, they're probably going to give you just plain Jane background and stuff like that. But for for really maybe as low as three or four bucks, you could have using all of their elements for three or four bucks, you can create your own podcast artwork. That is amazing. Canva, C-A-N-V-A.com. Another thing I want to share with you, I just decided today, just announced today, I've been hearing rumors about it since it got leaked, I think in Germany and one other place, Kindle Voyage. That is Kindle's newest or Amazon's newest e-ink e-reader, uh, e-book reader. And I know that I have all these iOS devices, but I will tell you, nothing compares to reading a book on an e-reader, e-ink display. I love it. I started out with the Kindle 3. I moved over to the Kindle Touch, and I I did not like the actual bevel. uh, You know the the how the screen was recessed down inside of the Kindle Touch. But I still have the Kindle Dutch today. The Kindle White came out to replace that. I was tempted to get it. I decided to get the iPad Mini instead. But the Kindle White, the reason why I didn't get it is because it, it, the you know the technology is relatively new to Amazon, and the the light just wasn't nearly as even and everything like that that I thought it would be. And I figure, you know what, I I, I went I went over to my iPad Mini and then my iPad Mini with Retina for a while. And then I, I just tell you, I went back to my Kindle Touch. I, I have the Kindle Touch with the leather cover from Amazon with the light built into it, and it works great. But I will tell you, I've been kind of dreaming of having this Kindle that doesn't have to have the light that goes on top because the light's not completely even over the whole thing and and this and that. And I was like, I, I really want one of these paper whites, but I don't want a, the paper white that exists today. I want to wait until the next one comes out. Well, lo and behold... The Kindle Voyage is now there, and it has a 300 pixel per inch display. Also, they got rid of the bezel. So the the screen is almost nearly flush or flat right with the edge of the front of the device, so it's no longer recessed. I love that. It does have the built-in light that actually is you know, over top of the display, and I imagine that they've got to have improved over the Kindle Paperwhite. So... This thing has six weeks of battery life, and for the very first time, I'm actually going to go with the Wi-Fi only instead of the 3G, and the reason why is because, well, I almost always have my iPhone with me, and I can turn on my personal hotspot, and I rarely ever use the 3G on my phone or on my Kindle Touch or any of those other devices, so I'm going to go with the Wi-Fi edition. It's, it, it is an increased price over what they had for the older Model stuff, but uh, $219 without the special offer. So I went ahead and pre-ordered mine today. I did pay for the forty-nine, uh, the $50 two-year warranty with Amazon, which gives me accidental uh, coverage. Basically, if I just call them and say, hey, this thing, I, I ran over it with my car or I dropped it into the bathtub when I was reading this morning, 
and uh, it's a little wet and it's not working anymore. Within two days, I have a new Kindle in my hand. So, uh, and you can have up to three claims during those two years. So, anyway, I went ahead and purchased that. And there's not a whole well. There's a couple of different things. I did not like the origami cases that they had, uh, at least the look or feel of them. So, or well, the look of them. And so I decided to go with just a plain black um, Belkin folio case. It's very low profile and. I don't need a light built in anymore because, well, it's it's got the light on the front of it uh, built into the screen. So the Kindle Voyage, I pre-ordered it today, and I will have it on October 21st. I can't wait. 300 pixels per inch, my friends. That is amazing, amazing resolution for an e-ink reader and uh, taking my reading to the next level. Uh, let's see here. I am now at one hour. Still a couple things I just want to share with you real quickly. Another pod. Uh, oh, actually, before I get to that, um, People's Choice Podcast Awards. It, Todd Cochran just announced this week that they have sold the rights to the pot and, and, and basically they're transferring all rights over to New Media Expo. So it's been announced that, you know, Todd Cochran from this point forward no longer going to be running the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Instead, he sold uh, the rights to that awards ceremony and that award system uh, for podcasters over to New Media Expo. Now, Todd is sticking around to help them out through the transition, the 10th annual uh, podcast awards. You know, Todd will be, you know, consulting with them and and helping them through this transition. But uh, New Media Expo is probably going to completely re- Advise the at least the website and several other maybe pieces of the back end and stuff like that, and I know that that's going to be uh, good for Todd so that he can focus on some other things. And you know, regardless of how some people feel about the podcast awards, I I, I just want to say that wow, Todd, thank you so much for all the years that you've put into creating that that system for podcasters. I I have been a sponsor of the podcast awards for many years. And and I, I've seen that, you know, it, it helps it does help bring some recognition and sometimes some camaraderie among various different factions within the podcasting community. And I think it's been great. So congratulations on the nine years that you've done it. Uh, and and I, I think that New Media Expo will do it well. They, they've de- definitely given it a great award ceremony the last two years. They certainly see the value of of continuing that and. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm looking forward to it, but I just want to let you guys know if you hadn't heard that already, the People's Choice Podcast Awards now is uh, is going to be under the umbrella of New Media Expo. And then, let's see here, another podcasting patent update. Uh, so we recently talked about the fact that Adam Carolla dropped the case, EFS all is going to continue to fight, all of that stuff. Well, in a very shocking uh, uh, announcement this week, Let's see here. Who was it? Ars Technica did an article that's titled uh, Jury Finds CBS Infringes Podcast, pa- Podcasting Patent and Awards $1.3 million to Personal Audio LLC. And it says here, though, Pat, the patent troll lost its damages case but can move on uh, to other trials against NBC and Fox. So when it comes to this podcasting patent, um, they're saying that this was validated in some way by the court system uh, in the in the um, le- in the case against CBS. Now, of course, there it says here. Um, 
to, to Ars Technical had written a story a while ago that says Personal Audio uh, has come out and said, listen, independent podcasters, don't worry, you're so poor, we're not going to sue you. Is that exactly what they said? No. But in essence, is that what they said? Yes. Now, I will tell you, EFF uh, has a response to the CBS trial on their site. I will read this real quickly. It says, we've clo- we've been closely watching the trial in the Eastern District of Texas between Podcasting Patent Troll, Personal Audio, and CBS. Today, we have heard disappointing news. After five days of trial, a federal jury found Personal Audio's podcasting patent valid and infringed by CBS. The jury awarded $1.3 million in damages, which is likely less than the amount CBS spent defending the case all the way to the verdict. Uh, let's see here. There are a few important things to note about this development. First, this does not put an end to the EFS challenge on the patent at the podcast or at the patent to the patent at the patent office. Our case against personal audio is a separate proceeding, and the standards are slightly different in our case. For example, while CBS was required to prove invalidity, uh, inv- invalidity. Is that right? Yeah, invalidity by clear and convincing evidence, quote unquote, uh, a high bar. The standard in our case is simply whether there is more than likely than not, let's see, more likely than not that the patent is invalid. Basically, we are hopeful that the specialized administrative judges at the patent office will take a different view of a patent that has described essentially nothing more than an online table of contents. Second, this verdict is not the end of the story in federal federal court. The New Egg, uh, when New Egg was challenged, when New Egg challenged Sovereign's so-called sharp, shopping cart patent, it was let's see here. It too lost after a five-day trial in the Eastern District of Texas. On appeal, the federal circuit found no reasonable jury could have held the patent valid. CBS has pending motions before the district court. And if those don't succeed, it can also appeal. So while today's verdict is a very is very disappointing, it is not the end of the fight against personal audio. So there you go. That's that's the update. Again, my stance has not changed today from what it was the very first time I heard this. I'm not worried at all. It'll all work out, and I do not think the sky is falling. Be calm. What is it? What is that? Uh, that little meme that's going on. Stay calm and podcast on. Seriously, my friends, it's nothing to worry about in my mind. I'm gonna go ahead and start my music here in the background. Wow, I'm a lot over today, but uh, it's what I had to share. That's what I wanted to share today. So uh, let's see here. The end of the show. First of all. Um, a great idea. I've I've seen. I think my friend Michael Stelzner may have done something similar to this. But I saw one of our listeners uh, in the community last week sent a message to myself and Ray Edwards and posted a selfie of herself while running and saying, "Hey, thank you, Ray and Cliff, for being on this run with me." And I got to thinking, it's like, wow, this would be great. I remember Michael telling me how much he enjoyed seeing people post uh, photos of where they're reading his book, for example. Anyway, I I would love to create a new hashtag for you guys. And I did this with Family from the Heart. My wife and I have a show called Family from the Heart at familyfromtheheart.com. And we mentioned this earlier today in this week's episode of Family from the Heart. But here's the deal. The hashtag is GSPN Selfie. That stands for Generally Speaking Production Network. That's my, the name of my network. 
GSPN Selfie, S-E-L-F-I-E, if you didn't know that. So just all one word, hashtag GSPN Selfie. If you are watching me live right now here uh, as I'm recording this uh, live broadcasting on Ustream, or if you are listening to this at any place, at any time, anywhere ever, even if, by the way, I'm recording this on September 18th, 2014. If you are listening to this uh, three years down the road and you're just now hearing this, do me a favor, send out a tweet that says at GSPN and tell me where you're watching or where you're listening from or watching from or whatever the case may be. Tell me where you are while consuming this content and put the hashtag GSPN selfie. So hashtag GSPN selfie. I'd love to see where you guys are, where you listen, and just kind of get a feel for your environment. Anyway, that would be cool. And then of course, uh, let's see here. I want to let you know that I am speaking at the platform conference that is going to be in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It is at the Broadmoor Resort, which I hear nothing but amazing things about. I've seen the photos. Oh, I cannot wait to be at the Broadmoor. Anyway, November 9th through the 11th, if you want to sign up, go to platformconference.tv. Again, that's platformconference.tv. Use promo code CLIFF and you will save $100 off of the cost of the conference. Of course, if you want to stay an extra day, Ray Edwards and I are hosting a one-day business workshop. You can find out all the details at nextlevelstudio.com. Again, that's nextlevelstudio.com. Or go back and listen to last week's episode, episode 373 at podcastanswerman.com slash 373. So many URLs. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's it. Um, yeah, that's good. Guys, thank you for tuning in. I look forward to seeing some of those selfies. And until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Help me to get the key.